Welcome to the 100 Master Coaches series featuring master coaches from around the world. Let's journey together on this 100 Master Coaches series with your host, Coach Mel, MCC. For over a decade, Dr. D.E. Won Young has been dedicated to helping people create a positive lasting change in their lives. He is a TEDx speaker with over 3 million views, an ICF Master Certified Coach, a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, and a Certified Professional Diversity Coach. He is internationally recognized for his innovative, evidence, and research-based coaching approaches for high net worth individuals, licensed professionals, professional athletes, and public figures. Now on to the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to the 100 Master Coaches Show. Today on the show, I have special guests all the way from uh, Houston, Texas. He is Dr. D. Ivan Young. Can you give him a big round of applause? Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Mel. Well, before we begin, we'd love to ask you just to kind of warm us up a bit and, and tell us a little bit about who Ivan is. Well, I'm an ICF master certified coach as well as a national board certified health and wellness coach. And I'm a certified professional diversity coach. So with all of those things, mm -hmm. um, I think the credentials were there or pursued not so much to authenticate, but to have the capacity and the ability to, in a transformational way, affect change for my clients. Mm. I've been practicing now over a decade and a half, and my practice specializes in high net worth individuals, public figures, uh, entrepreneurs, and pro athletes and the like. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're human beings. And <laughs> yeah. it's just, you know, it's one of those things. I, I remember I was having dinner uh, years ago with a really famous jazz entertainer, and he made a comment. He said, you know, the difference between us and the average person is when we we were in a restaurant, he said, now you see that weight over there. He said, well, if he spills his tray or makes a mistake, only these people in here will see it. But if we do it, there's a spotlight on and a microphone. Yeah. You know, and I found that uh, prior to me ever getting into coaching and, go and being in pre-med and doing any of what I've done, I was in the entertainment business in the United States, producing some very significant, really famous people. Mm. And I realized that one day I was, um, I was just tired of the, the touring and, and waking up, what city is this? And <laughs> realizing that you could be in this crowd of people and feel so alone, mm. you know? And I think that uh, as a coach, the people that end up in my office are people that are in that situation mm. where there is, you know, they are under a microscope or they put themselves in a position where they feel as if they're under a microscope. Yeah. And great coaches, in my, in my view, have the ability to resonate with their clients because they have something in common with them. And I think what I have in common with my clients or my audience is the fact that I've always been the exception to a rule of the outlier or, you know, in America is a very uh, beautiful country, but it's very hypocritical and very racist. And 
I was always either the only black kid in the school I went to, or I was the youngest person in the room, or I was uh, in a and you know in psychology or behavioral science. That is one of the few spaces where you see a lot of women. So I was seldom the only man in the space, you know, and is certainly the only African American man. So this is uh, for me. I think it's an ability to bring transformation to people that are in that position where they feel, you know, I'm over here and very few people can understand what over here consists of. And I think we do that really well in my office. That's really beautiful to hear, Ivan. Um, and so true what you just said, right? There is this quote, it gets lonelier in the top. And it kind of brings that thought of when you're up there, everyone kind of, in a sense, avoids you for, for some reason. And you get to eat lunch on your own. You get to uh, be by yourself. And I think that's the power of aligning with our friends, our, our coaches, and being able to be in that space with them and building that connectivity, as, as you say, that resonance, right? That they can say that, hey, you're not too bad after all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and beyond that, I think what people don't understand is when you get in that space, yeah. the fall is detrimental. You know, it's oh, yeah. one thing if um, you are on a little glider or you're a crop dusting plane and you realize something goes wrong, you can probably land that thing in a field or just, <laughs> you know, some safe space. But when you're up in uh, 10, 20,000 feet, yeah. You know, crashing probably could be fatal. And one of the, and one of the things that has been a real wake up call for me was last year I had uh, I found out I had cancer and it in June it was like diagnosed. It was stage two. By the time we got through dealing with setting things in motion and all the testing and screening and then having to fight in my insurance company. And I've got great insurance, but you know, like most insurance, yeah. they like to take in money, but don't like to pay it out. <laughs> we had to really appeal yeah. some things that were necessary for yeah. me. Well, by the time that happened, I was at stage four cancer. Wow. And that is when you're getting ready to go see grandma and them, you know, typically if you don't have the right uh, environment, right care team you're out of here yeah fortunately in houston md anderson is it's one of the leading if not the number one cancer research hospital in the world so i was yeah. very fortunate and what i what was going on with me the one guy that was number one in the world at doing the procedure which is you know had it was an oral cancer and they had to reconstruct my this bone came from wow. my leg right and so he was the guy that had done more of those surgeries and he invented a lot of the techniques. So it was just divine intervention. God just blessed me. Well, in the same way that I found myself in a situation where average wasn't going to work, I had to have people that were fine-tuned to the extent that they were able to bring what I needed the way I needed it with all the right ingredients, with all the um, right assessment tools and diagnostic tools and the competence to use it, 
And I think that's what the MCC level of coaching provides. An MCC is not handed to anybody. And what many people don't understand is to attain an MCC, the greatest shift isn't in your skill set. Yes, you go when you're a PCC or an ACC coach, you tend to somewhat be still in a templated space, meaning uh, focus, motivation, outcome, uh, yeah. focus, meaning, outcome, and, you know, uh, get a, get the agreement and get a generative moment. And, you know, how's the client going to be accountable? But at the MCC level, there are two things that are extremely different. One is the first transformation isn't with your client. It's with yourself. <laughs> That's true. Right. The second thing is the awareness of that evolution in yourself as a coach. Now, the competence is expected, but how authentic and seamless are you and how you engage your client? Mm. You know, and, and I think the correlation for me and my travail with cancer and that experience you know, I, one of the things I, I attempt to bring to light for my clients is everything's happening for a reason. There's no accident here. Your opportunity isn't a consequence. It's a wake-up call. It's a revelation. Like one of my TED Talks, um, if you guys look it up, uh, just Dr. D. Yvonne Young, TEDx not the one with the 3 million views. There's one that has like 18 or 20,000 views on it, but it talks about the redirects in life mm. and why are they significant and meaningful? Well, my cancer experience connecting that um, as a metaphor for my coaching methodology and style was affording me a chance to see the value of time you don't control it, so you better not waste it. The value of relationship, don't take them for granted. They're there for a reason, and they're by, you know, they, they don't just go in one direction, right? Um, why things matter and the opportunity that life gives you, even in a moment of what you may feel is tragedy or travail, it's really an opportunity of transformation. Yeah. And I think the thing that a lot of, uh, you know, and at MD Anderson, they practice an interdisciplinary approach to oncology. So I didn't just have a great oral surgeon. I had a great proton laser treatment uh, researcher and doctor in that space. And I had a great dental oncology team and, blah, you know, just all the great reconstructive surgeons and what have you. But the thing that they did well, and I think this is what great coaches do well, is they looked at things from multiple angles mm. and then they would meet and gather the perspectives in order to make effective decisions in the moment while utilizing evidence and research-based methodologies and approaches. Mm. Well, that's what great MCC level coaches do. Yeah. We should be able to observe our client and observe ourselves concurrently while bringing awareness to the nuanceical shifts and the evidence that's offered and presented in, in the session in such a way that it creates a profound curiosity 
while bringing a client to a point of worthiness, you know, um, and, and how the coach can make them feel worthy of the opportunity that they may perceive as a problem when in fact, you're worthy of engaging this dilemma right now in your life because it's here for a reason, right? So much that you have shared, Ivan. Um, I would like to take a couple of steps back, if that's okay, and come to a place where you first entered in the world of coaching, which was pretty different from what you were saying before. And tell us a little bit about that, that story and how this wow. became an attraction to you, right? drawing you to a well, it, it's yeah. funny and I wasn't looking for coaching I that you know I, I my mother was dying mm. and I was in pre-med um and when she finally you know went through the transition process I was left with an aftermath of a bunch of embezzlement from and I'm an only child so I'm an only adopted child my father was already deceased and I was a 40 year old man, you know, I was 39 and I turned 40 just before she passed. Yeah. And my life was upheaval. It was like, what the just happened? And, you know, at that point, my, tra my trajectory was pre-med to finish that. I had a foundation in neuropsych and my goal was, you know, to, you know, crack skulls to be a, a neurosurgeon. And I just realized, okay, that just got derailed because I got all this crap going on in my life and trying to file charges and recover literally right under a half a million dollars had been embezzled right under my nose by people mm -hmm. that were helping me care for my dying mother. So that was just, you know, betrayal. And wow. a couple of these people were relatives, mm -hmm. you know, so it was really upheaval. Well, at that point, there was this course called Problems in Normal Everyday Life at the university I was attending. I'm like, okay, damn it, that they made that for me. <laughs> so I took the course, and then I started taking other developmental and positive psych courses, and it was like everything I read. And then the other thing was the anatomy and phys part. You know, between those two intersections, I really understood, okay, this is how the brain works. Mm. Came quite natural. Okay, this is how the mind works. Mm -hmm. Came quite natural. What didn't come natural for me was the, the correlation-based inferential crap that psychology, and I'm not saying this to offend any psychologists, but, you know, psychology, I think, is has something that's very different than what coaching offers. Psychology allows someone to locate the problem and to go typically into the past. Mm. And I think that excavation or uh, that anthropological uh, attempt to or archaeological dig into someone's life, I think it may be necessary, but I think it's elemental. I don't think it's a solution. Yeah. And psychology is rooted in discovering what happened to you. And, and you go there and you deal with it. Well, that doesn't offer, in my view, what people really need is I need to figure out why in the hell this is happening 
Mm-hmm. Or, okay, maybe it is something that did happen, but that's yeah. just more like a trajectory thing where, okay, we got, we, here's where we are, but here's a starting point. Okay, I yeah. get that. But coaching offered transformation. And it's one thing that I learned from going through all that hell with my mother's death and the, and the financial loss and the emotional and cognitive rape that came with that. Um, I didn't, I didn't need anyone to help me go and take a deep dive in my pain. I, that's the shit I wanted to leave. If anything, I wanted and needed answers mm. to questions that I didn't know to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And what I did know was a couple of things. Psychology would help you go and look at the past, but seldom did it have anything to do with co-creating the future or mastering the present. Then I looked at coaching and you, like myself, we started around the same time, that 2005, 2004. And I had a problem with a lot of coaching then because when I looked at even the ICF, which now I'm a proud member of, I didn't, I wasn't fond of the ICF back then. Because I was like, you guys are taking all of these global dollars, but I don't see anybody that looks like me mm. in leadership at your organization. Where is the diversity? And by the way, that they're addressing that now, yeah. you know, but back then that was not the case. Um, and then the other thing that really pissed me off was these coaches, these self-ordained coaches. I'm like, what do you know about the science of human development. What do you know about behavioral science? What do you know about the epistemological development of someone or the, the, um, the psychology of gender or, or women? I mean, your opinion is, you know, how in the hell is that helpful, especially if you don't have an academic foundation that's rooted in something? So that led me even with the disdain, someone, you know, I, I received this award for Black Life Coach of the Year. And it, that was a global recognition. And, you know, they, they came back and they said, well, we want you to serve uh, as we explore developing this coaching program that's going to be diversity centered. Well, just so happens now that's the one of the first in the, in my opinion, one of the, the uh, best diversity coaching programs in the world right now is a coach diversity. Well, they, when they came to me, they said, uh, but you need to have an ICF uh, MCC. Well, I had gone to a coaching program. It was a ACSTH program. And, you know, I had the hours, but I, you know, I bear They said, well, you're a master coach. But then when I looked at ICF, well, no, I'm not. (laughs) Okay, what the hell is that about? Yeah. Now, this is a message for you guys that are in these programs. And I'm not knocking anybody's programs. If they have that, uh, what is it, that uh, uh, A-C-T-A-C-S-T-H logo on there, it's a legit program. But after you get that, that is not the beginning of the end. That's the end of the beginning. You need to get these ICF credentials 
after you get the foundation, those training hours. Yeah. Because number one, there needs to be something that creates a best practices that you adhere to. There's a vetting process where you do need to submit some evidence that you are doing more than self-ordained work or you took some expensive program, by the way. It may, I've seen some of these coaching programs that are $10,000, you know? Um, and some of them I've gone, you actually charge somebody 10 grand for that crap. And then I've seen some programs that are like three to five grand, like, okay, this is some good stuff. And I'm saying that to say, what my experience brought me through was there's a need for authenticity, for best practices, for some standards, a code of ethics. And that's what attracted me to saying, okay, maybe this coaching world is a world that I can exist in. And, and you know, hence, subsequent to that, now I'm, uh, I'm part of the, in a, uh, the Institute of Coaching, which is in a part of the McLean Medical School. Yeah. It's an affiliate of that at Harvard University. Yeah. And I'm proud to be a fellow there. Uh, I'm also an advisor to well coaches and, um, you know, the national board certification within health and wellness, which that was uh, something that the National Board of Medical Examiners sets the standard for credentialing in that area. And I think that that is where we have to house ourselves, especially those of us that are at the MCC level of coaching or aspiring to be there. That experience and losing my mother, going through hell, and then going back to you know my senior year in pre-med, I saw then that there was a need for great coaches that were legit, mm. you know, and the ICF is the gold standard. I think in, in, in uh, Europe, it's the Association for Coaches, which is somewhat equivalent to the ICF, but it's, it's, it's this environment and, and programs like what you've created that help set the bar and are the gold standard so that somebody can see, okay, well, if you're on the fence about your next level up, this conversation and this dialogue now should take you off that fence. But if you do take that step, come correct. I'm, I'm just sensing, uh, Ivan, uh, on, on that space of authenticity. And that's a beautiful space to be in. I would consider myself an outlier too, uh, in, in many cases. And just this thought of being an outlier and, and not feeling like the world's not giving me a fair go at, at things. And yet on the other side, feeling like you've got to prove it, <laughs> if you know what I mean. You got to show your, your, your stuff. What are your thoughts on, on that balance? Uh, because it's, it's, it's a necessary evil, one side or the other, to, to kind yeah, of prove, well, prove yourself and, and yet to be authentic as your true self, you know? Well, in our world, it's, you have to do both. You know, when 
like I said, I wasn't fond of the ICF from my previous experience, mm. but that changed when I realized that they had evolved in very yeah. significant ways as an organization. You know, I see organizations that always brag about their diversity, even especially in the academic space. Universities love to talk about how diverse their campuses are. And I'm like, well, how many tenured professors do you have that look like me or that are Asian or Middle Eastern or West Indian? Yeah. No. How many? How many women yeah. are in, in positions where they sign checks instead of having to submit something on a purchase order right yeah that and and when i started realizing that that differentiated where i had to be in order to accept the fact that i may be an exception to your rules but there are rules that we have to be governed and play by mm. i think just like the uh in america it's the american medical association um where they look at, are you qualified to be a board certified anything, right? Or the National Board of Medical Examiners. Hmm. Well, that makes a difference. Being an MCC level coach, unless something has gone wrong post-credentialing, at least you know you're dealing with an individual that's been vetted heavily where they have done some background checks and, you know, you, you had to submit logs where you have literally thousands of hours in experience. Um, you have to demonstrate proficiency and it's not something they hand out. Matter of fact, I'll be the first to tell you when I submitted my recordings for MCC, one of my trainers well, I mean, mentor coaches was a former credentialing person at ICF. Mm. And she said, oh, submit this is great. <laughs> we did. And one of my recordings did not pass. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and I thought about it. I was pissed. And then I, I took it to someone else who I hold in high esteem, yeah. um, a, a well-qualified MCC. And she, she said, I don't see why this didn't pass. And finally, I'm, now I'm hot as fish grease. I'm pissed. And I'm getting ready to challenge it because I'm thinking some assessor got my stuff and could detect that, okay, this is, this is not a white male or a white woman. This is some African-American guy. And at that point, we had this excuse for a president so in that season in, in America, mm. racial bias and that stuff had become emboldened, mm. you know, and and I, I remember just thinking, this is so freaking unfair. And my the same person that was a former assessor and, and part of the ICF in a very high position, she said, do you mind if I submit this to Carly? And she is the head of assessment, but it was blind. Carly didn't know me. I didn't know her, right? So it, it just a, hey, listen to this. And Carly assessed it, and she wrote some comments that I had to consider. Mm. And the comments 
put me in a space where the part of me that wasn't angry, the part of me that was objective yeah. said, okay, what if she's right? Yeah. And, you know, Mel, that led me to going and reading book after book. I mean, I must have read maybe 20 books before I, I submitted another recording. And I, you know, I read maybe 20 books, did a bunch of research. And at that time, concurrent to that, I was also studying for my national board exam for health and wellness coaches. So that's a, I mean, that's science. That is like, you know, it's not just theory. That is like science, evidence, and research-based stuff that you have to know to pass a, a four-hour proctored exam where they search you before you go in the room, right? Yeah, and nobody's in that room but doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, lawyers, you know, it's, it's a, that environment. So I'm studying all of this stuff, read all of these books, and I realized I should not have passed that report. And this is where I go back to where you said outlier. There are 30,000 uh, coaches that are credentialed through ICF globally. Yeah. But when you think about the number of people, you know, we look globally, billions of people. But when you look at the MCC, that's only about 4% of all of those ICF credential coaches. Now, if we throw in coaches that went to programs and didn't get credential by ICF, but they're calling themselves a professional certified coach because they took 125 hours somewhere, but they still don't. And I'm not referring to the PCC certification yeah. ICF. I'm talking about where the initials may say certified professional coach. That is not an ICF credential, right? Um, or it may say certified master coach. That is not an MCC master coach. So yeah. please understand the distinction. Well, if we throw those in, MCC coaches are now probably 1% or less of coaches that you can get. In other words, exclusive group. And there's a, and you pay and you get what you pay for, right? If we go today and we shop for vehicles, <laughs> what you're going to pay for a Kia and what you're going to pay for a Rolls Royce is going to be different. But what you get, and I'm not knocking a Kia, yeah. but I'm just going to say that that Kia is not a damn Rolls Royce. It's not a Bentley. It's not a Lamborghini. And when you start talking MCC, you are talking the Lamborghini equivalent, the Bentley equivalent, the Rolls Royce equivalent of a coach. And it is the, it's at that point, for you as a client, you just bought into your life a, a change agent. You can go from being successful to, uh, to thriving, but now you can go to flourishing, right? And I think that is justification for why that credential matters and why one can humble themselves and meet those standards, those gold standards to become an MCC level coach. Mm. I totally agree. And you know what? We have something in common here, Ivan. Um, I went through that that same process. One of my recordings did not pass. Um, 
And I went on this journey to discover or rediscover myself. Um, mm-hmm. It took a while. At one point in time, I kind of gave up as well because uh, I, I sent it again and it, it didn't pass again. I'm like, you know what? Just this is not for me. And yeah, similar to you, I had to go through this process, which I think was very needed mm-hmm. to kind of ask myself, am I just perhaps too proud to recognize certain things that these assessors are telling me? And perhaps I have to dig deeper into myself and to find out those areas that I really needed to work on in in me first, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a beautiful journey by itself, just understanding me a lot better being able to come truly with you know that that saying in in the space of not knowing and i thought i already practiced that but i guess there is still a whole journey ahead of not knowing <laughs> there's no way that you have resurrection without crucifixion when you make up your mind that i'm going to be the best of the best of the best then that that's a new benchmark. Matter of fact, it's a whole new bench because there's this process called transmogrification. And typically we see that when we look at a caterpillar yeah, where he's crawling on the ground and eating leaves and all of this and something summons him to this season where he is no longer part of what's familiar. Mm. He entombs himself, literally, yeah. voluntarily says, I'm going to get away from everything and everybody that's familiar. <laughs> and in that process, those 64 legs become four wings. That uh, terrestrial lifestyle now is replaced by f- just letting the wind carry you sometimes and other times you determine where you're going to carry yourself. But the bottom line is you're flying heads above what you used to do, what you used to be and where you used to dwell. And that is the process that I think you and I undertook when we humbled ourselves and realized that, you know what, maybe there's something yet to be unearthed in me yeah, and yet to be refined in my abilities or increased in my capacity and making our minds up to submit to that call is why MCC level coaches have the power to empower their clients. Because if you are not empowered, how in the hell are you going to empower someone else? Life is obviously a lot different from when we started, right, 2004, 2005. And, and, and today, obviously, with the different needs and obviously different people as well, where do you think this trajectory um, of coaching is going ahead in that near future? Mm-hmm. It, I think now we are at a place where we're going to be much more focused on doing what is evidence and research-based in coaching. And I think it's about time. Hmm. And there has been too much to take place where being politically correct and accommodating 
comes at a cost. Mm. You know, the standards and practices that we need to do now, we need to adapt and evolve. Now more than ever, there's a need to be critically sound in methodology and in practice, uh, and especially as it relates to capacity. There is no other move to make because coaching is the new behavioral science, though it's not new. I mean, you know, it's 20 years old, but uh, older than that when you consider its foundation in positive psychology. But there is so much more where there's this intersection of cognitive behavioral therapy meets dialectical behavioral therapy to you know, positive psych to motivational interviewing to trans theoretical model and approaches and change and all of the things that are the tools of coaching. Now, those who are in the profession must master those tools. And I think that the the strain or a sifter now is going to be a lot harder to get through. And it should be harder because the needs of people are so much different. Mm. Mm. Certainly is. Um, and with that move towards more, as you say, evidence-based, we, we come to a space that that is, as much as this work of what ICF is doing is amazing, and I, I fully support it, there's still so much to be done. Um, I, I know they just contacted me and probably a few other MCCs asking us to participate in a review process that will be looking at what does credentialing look like moving forward. Mm. And it needs to be done. Um, People have not slipped through the cracks and I think we need, instead of opening the door to close it a little further, there's just no room for foolishness now. And for those of you that are looking at mentor coaches vet them critically and heavily and ask them questions like, you know, what is your background? What is your methodology? Are you doing evidence and research-based coaching? And if you are, what are the areas that you have credentialing in a certification in or expertise in and do a session with them? That will tell you everything. You know, if you want to go to a restaurant, just, you know, one of the things I've learned from spending a lot of money eating expensive food is if you just take a a sample of what's in the pot, it'll tell you what the rest of the pot is like, right? (laughs) And that's how we should look at coaches. We should um, measure for competence and look for someone that has great reviews, a track record that's verifiable. Uh, You should be able to find articles written by them in somebody's publication, be it national or international. You know, if somebody looked me up, they quickly see I have several articles in Forbes magazine and I'm part of the Forbes Coaching Council. So there should be some other place other than their website (laughs) where they are acknowledged and respected Hmm. for what they have uh, contributed to coaching as a community and as a science. Beautiful. Um, I often ask this 
question because I think it's it's important for for young coaches coming in, Ivan. Um, mm-hmm. What would be your thought for them? Because there are, as as again, that there's so much ad- advisory out there, um, so much uh, on the internet. Um, some say yes, you've got to build the competency of 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 yourself uh, in coaching, and then on the other side, you've got to kind of find your voice as well, yeah, so that you will start attracting the right kind of people that you want to work with and right, as as a coach, right? Uh, and then yeah. the whole business side of things uh, that comes later. <laughs> um, what would be your thoughts for younger ones just coming in into our industry right now? Well, real simple. Everybody's not your client. That's the first thing. <laughs> yes. You know, everybody's not your client. So just uh, don't get so thirsty for making a dollar that you prostitute yeah. your gifts and your yeah. abilities. Yeah. Look for alignment with clients that resonate with you. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is make sure that before you start seeing clients, that you really know your stuff. Mm. One of the most horrible things that can happen is you're as a coach you are not ready yet Mm. you know you need to have competence and capacity to coach well and that's why having a good mentor coach is very important because in your branding and your messaging it is critical that you be the product in other words if you look at my public figure page on Facebook or the stuff I put out on LinkedIn, or you go and look at one of my TED talks or something, I actually live what I put forth as a brand. It is not all talk. And if you caught me on the weekend at three o'clock at the gym, I'm the same guy you'll see in the office with you 3 PM on whatever day you're in my office. The other thing is, don't think you made it because you got a couple of certifications. If anything, you need, and there's a reason why you have to con- get CEUs, you know, and, and continue education um, because si- the science is constantly advancing. Mm. And if you don't understand how to apply these advances in coaching science, yeah. You probably aren't that good. You know, one thing that I've learned is I I have a 90% of my clients are are either referrals or repeat business. I don't have to solicit business. I I don't. And I'm very fortunate. I have a coaching practice that does a mid five figures a year. And that's not including speaking engagements and books and other things that I do. Uh, you know, so there, you can make a good living, but people come to you for your capacity, not for your, uh, income funnel and for your marketing, because if just imagine this, you go to a restaurant and on TV, the food look great. Everybody looks like they're having fun there (laughs) and the service on the commercial will look great, but you get in the restaurant service sucks. The place is nasty. And the food tastes like some you could fertilize a field with. Would you go back? Mm. Is it in alignment with the messaging that's been put out there? 
So as a brand, as a coach yourself, you can't be all messaging. There must be some substance that matches your messaging. And you need to be the best reflection of your product. Like attracts like. And what you're seeking is equally seeking you if you prepare yourself for it when it shows Mm. up at you. Mm. Such great advice there. Really. Light attracts light. So true. We've almost come to the top of the hour, Ivan, and just wanted to thank you for this time, just sharing your heart out. I think the great thing about this is we just rocked up and went on a river ride. (laughs) At the end of the day, there's not that much distance between you and I, even though geographically there is, but we're actually side by side in core values and beliefs and approaches. That's right. You know, I would just offer that in closing this out. If you're watching this, it's not by accident or happenstance. It's probably a message that you should heed because as a coach, you are either going to contaminate your client or you're going to contribute to your client. Don't contaminate them. Get your stuff together and make sure that what you bring to the table is a value add. Yeah. And with that, I say thank you, Ivan, so much for your contribution, not just this call, but your contribution thus far and and really wishing you the best for your future. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me, Mel. You're welcome. This has been the 100 Master Coaches Show. Today with Dr. D. Ivan Young and myself, Mel. We'll say catch you on the next one. Take care, stay safe, God bless. Bye for now. Bye-bye. You have been watching the 100 Master Coaches series with your host, Coach Mel, MCC. Brought to you by Catalyst Coach. www.catalystcoach.live We will be right back with our next Master Coach on the 100 Master Coaches series.